Hey, gang. First off, thanks to everyone uh, who's joined the Krista Makes a Podcast Facebook group. Uh, for those of you who haven't, uh, it's a private group, and you can join uh, really simple. All you have to do is uh, submit who you'd like to see as a guest on Krista Makes a Podcast. And uh, so far, it's uh, it's been an overwhelming response of requests for Roger Lima, uh, of course, the bassist for Less Than Jake, <laughs> um, which, is, which is hilarious because, uh, you know, when we're off tour, we'd rather not speak to each other. Uh, no, that's not true. Um, but uh, I was super excited that Roger uh, agreed to be on the show, and we've given the listeners their wish. Uh, Roger is the first guest uh, who left it up to me to pick the song, and uh, I went with the science of selling yourself short. Uh, uh, one of uh, Roger's greatest songs I feel he's ever brought to the table for Less Than Jake. Uh, we go in depth on the writing process of it. Uh, we talk about the recording with producer Rob Cavallo. Our disastrous debut live performance of the song at the 2003 K-Rock Weenie Roast. And what the original lyrics to the song were. So to hear all this and listen to us hurl insults at each other for 45 minutes, please stay tuned. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. You know, I started this damn podcast and, uh, you know, I put out there on the Facebook page, I said, you know, who do you guys want to see as a guest? And overwhelmingly, the guy in my damn band, your name keeps coming up. So I had to have you on the show. How you doing? I'm doing okay. Yeah, people don't realize that we interact plenty outside of extra <laughs> conversations for podcasts. <laughs> This is like the last, you don't understand. Like I dreaded this text. I, I did not want to have to make this phone call. I'm like, Oh God, but he's agreed well, to do it. He's here folks. Well, you know, I'm a fan of songs and I, I'm, I'm like the same, me and you are the same in that way. We always wanted to be, Oh, what's the story behind the song? And like, how the hell did he come up with that lyric or that idea? And like, I think that it's cool that you're doing this, man, because I'm ultimately going to learn shit about songs that I like that I didn't know. So I think it's cool. Well, thank you for saying that. And I actually, out of he did pay my... me twenty, he paid me twenty bucks to say that, you guys. <laughs> At least twenty bucks. Um, no, I, I, I really was. Uh, out of all my guests, I mean this all my heart. I was really looking forward to to doing this with you because uh, I know it would just the, the episode's going to write itself. I didn't with all my guests, Raj. I make notes, you know, like you know about them. I didn't have to make notes about you, obviously, but I did print the lyric. I did print the lyrics. I just to have them here, so um, <clears throat> the listeners know. I asked my guests to uh, uh, pick a song a defining song from their career and i asked roger and roger said oh i thought you did that <laughs> and so i said you know what for this particular one you know what i will pick it and um this is an interesting song it's the science of selling yourself short from our anthem record uh that came out in 2003 um it's interesting because you know i i have a really really good memory i pride myself on it and what I do remember of this song, I, I really want to get Roger's take on it because um, this was one of the later ones that was written for the record uh, that I remember coming to the record. Roger may have had it before, but uh, so so set this one up, Roger, if you can take us back yeah, to, to, to 0203. I mean, yeah, you know, my memories are not like yours, man. Chris can remember like dates and times and this guy was there and you were wearing a red shirt and stuff like that. I don't really remember stuff with that kind of detail. I just kind of remember sort of like, 
the vibe and, you know, like what the interactions were like and sort of the feeling and like, you know, the moments and stuff like, and with that, that song particular, like it just always had its own space when we were working on all those songs. Cause you got to remember we were working on Anthem and B-side songs together. Yeah. At the same time we were shuffling like nearly, you know, whatever it is, 30, 35 songs or whatever at the time. So, but science always kind of, science always sort of had its own ah it had its own like feeling had its own space like we gave it its own attention it was uh i think we kind of knew that it was unlike anything else that you know we we had done some reggae before and we there, we have bits of songs that have some of that reggae stuff but it was really like kind of its own monster even from the get go i feel like you know well, yeah, and that's a great point too, because like when when we were doing the the demos or writing, I should say for for whatever record, we didn't even know this would have been two thousand two, and uh, we were rehearsing five, six, seven hours a night, like every night. We just go to the warehouse and and we would just go for it. And so, you know, we didn't really know what songs were going to make the record. We honestly wrote like thirty songs, and then of course one record became a B sides record. But in terms of this one, you know, I don't recall jamming it or playing it out at our practice space. This was something that, and, and what I do remember, and maybe this will jog a memory, Raj, I do remember, um, I don't think there was the chorus, the I'll sing along. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's totally right. So my, so, you know, yeah, I came up with the initial thing of the song and like, so here's what I remember about it, which this might trip you out though. I don't think you even know this, man. So the first incarnation of the music for this song for me was just obviously just guitar and vocals and it had the na 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 it had that melody like completely set but the lyrics that I had for that before I brought it to the band cuz I didn't know that this was going to be like a what's the Jake song cuz we were doing punk rock stuff this was like this chill little California thing right for me in my brain <laughs> and like I was the lyrics that I had for the song. It went seven hundred miles, da 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 da, da seven hundred minutes, and it was all like about this girl that I was dating in California, and how like I just attributed the number seven hundred to like you know getting to see her the next time and stuff like that. So, and I actually have that written in like my first lyric book, like the lyrics to that song, and it was just the song to me was a set. It was called Seven Hundred. Well, that's very interesting. I didn't know that. You know, <laughs> I know honest, man. I, honestly, what I did think, though, because you've had a number of songs, you still play this one riff that's never turned into a song. It's almost like a uh, God, for lack of a better word, like a flamenco. You always play it on acoustic guitar. And but anyways, that's something you the thing I'm talking about is something you wrote back like when you were a kid, like in high school. And for some reason, I thought maybe science was was one of those you wrote way back when and then brought it to the band. But um, again, I remember the. Uh, I never heard that story. It's fascinating about the 700. I know that's, that's, that's the first time. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, the, the song itself, I do remember the verse and, and, and the, the melodies you had, you know, da, 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 what you were just singing. That was all the same. But then at some point, yeah, I no, say, that I want to say that that was, that was Cavallo, a uh, Rob Cavallo influenced. And I think I kind of remember Jr. being the one that be like, well, you know, if there's going to be a chorusy part, it should go to this note, like, or whatever. I, I, I kind of think that that rehab, that happened when we were pre-producing the song in California. I don't think that that was like part of the song before we actually got out there and got in the practice space with Rob Cavallo back then. 
Yeah, I I I, I agree. That's kind of my yeah. my, my, my recollection and of it. Because I kind of like I, I I gave it a listen because it's been a few years and like there's so many little things in there like that sort of tremolo guitar thing that happens in the chorus like that was all Cavallo like that idea. feel like that came when the sort of chorus idea was introduced you know right well that was another and i i, I want to touch on rob's influence on the song we'll, we'll get there in a moment um yeah because there's definitely definitely stuff he brought to the table so 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 going back you know when we're doing the record like at what point at what point did you realize like because to me like it was it was really like when i first heard like the faders go up in the studio when like like the horns were on there the backing vocals and i, I had my oh shit moment like wow like this is something special this is a different animal when when did you know that i i don't really know man i mean i think as we were building the track and then the horn part sort of solidified and then like the percussion kind of came in there and gave that sort of background vibe and like the organ player came in there and laid down his little things and by the time it was all like stacking up it it just I don't know. It just kind of felt like we had built a mountain out of a pretty simple idea to me, you know, like it wasn't like a, it was just some chords and a melody and it, it got, <laughs> yeah. it got, it got orchestrated like a, like a mofo, you know, as far as like a lot of our other songs. So some of those songs, you know, are pretty straight up. Like we're just kind of rocking it out the way we sort of do at practice, but that one has, I don't know, I guess they all have extra layers and stuff, but, but science just has its own, its own like spirit, you know, like it has a lot of those layers that contribute to like that, the overall. Yeah. And, and, and that's such a great point because it really, if you just break it down, it's, it's only a couple chords and the melody is, I don't want to say it's simple, but it, it you know, it, it, it's not this big complex song that it, that it turned out to be. I mean, the initial idea, you're right. It was just this little, little reggae riff idea. Yeah. I really think that what happened with the chorus too, lyrically, like, like, Although, you know, we kind of like, I think when we were doing it, we we're like, this has to be something that everybody can remember, like the first time they hear it kind of thing, like the I'll sing along, you know, like that whole like echoey kind of thing. And I think that sort of is another thing that made it kind of like, I want to say idiot proof, you know, <laughs> like well, yeah. anybody's going to be able to sing that and remember that part. And so like lyrically, that was I don't remember how that came along too, because that was way late in the game as well. Like well, that I, part of it. I, I do remember for our listeners that don't know, you know, we recorded this record Malibu at uh, Morning View, the name of that Incubus record that where they recorded. And this was a, it was the most rock star thing we could have done. You know, Warner Brothers put us up in this 15,000 square foot mansion. We had half the house, the owner had the other half. And I remember to, to your point just now, Roger, I remember being at the dinner table one night and Craig, our A&R person who signed us at Capitol and also signed us at Warner, he was just harping on this song about needing a chorus and he kept just saying you know he wanted it to say i'll sing along every time he never wanted it to say i'm so far gone you know he's like no it's got to be the same thing it's a chorus you know and and to his point i mean yeah a lot of times you want to hit people over the head with the chorus and i wouldn't change anything with it now but uh, i do remember that conversation it, that was a big that was a big deal of like this chorus has to like you know has to be right yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the, the compromise that we kind of always fell into with stuff like that. Cause like, you know, 
Yeah, I'm not going to say they ever like put their foot down, but you know, a lot of times Craig wanted stuff dumbed down. He wanted some stuff simpler, you know, and that, and we kind of always sort of were like, well, we'll kind of halfway do that, but this other line has to be, you know, something descriptive and something original. Yeah, and I think there's something to be said about that. I think that's why our fans do, you know, do like us. We stand out in that way. It's not, you know, cookie cutter, all of it, you know. And we've we've had our moments where it's like, no, this has to be simple and, and, and you know, simple, stupid yeah. or whatever. But, uh, yeah, so so going into um, – you know, I just want to want to say real quick, I remember when we were out in, uh, doing the record and again, that playback was happening. And during that time, it was around Thanksgiving. My brother had flown out and my brother's a big champion of the band. He, he loves us and, and loves all the music. And I just remember him hearing this. He heard like all the playback of pretty much all the tunes. They were they were pretty much done by that point. We were only out there for maybe another week or two after after he was there uh, into, into December. And um, he was just the look on his face, I'll never forget it. He just like, he, he asked Doug, the engineer, he said, can, can you, can I hear that again? And you know, he didn't ask any other song, just that one. Can I hear it again? He's like, dude, that song's incredible, you know? And, and it leads me to, and you know, it's such a fascinating topic of what makes a hit. And that's why I picked this song, Raj. And, and this isn't uh I'm not saying this from a standpoint of, you know, we, we got robbed, we should have had a hit, but you know, this is one of those songs in our career. I was like, okay, right moment and right time, right label, right amount of money. Uh, you know, this had hit single written, written all over it. Yeah. I mean, but you know, I think to some degree or another, it it sort of was like, I mean, it, it it rocked the, it rocked the waves as much as we could have at the time. Like, I mean, I, I don't really know like what, you know, if it was going to turn us into like a arena rock size band or something, I think we were always going to be like what we were or whatever. But yeah, I mean, you know, the video that came out for it, that there was, they spent some money on that video. They, 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 you know, they tried to make it happen there. And I feel like, I feel right, like no, we, we got, we got like the appropriate quote unquote push without like being too ridiculous, you know? Sure. And my, well, my second point to this was, is that it is a hit amongst our fans. <laughs> you know, when I, when I was saying it, I was talking commercial level, you yeah, know, being, totally. being yeah. on the time at MTV or, or whatever was happening at the time. Um, and it didn't, you know, get that, uh, 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 you know, huge status, but amongst our fans. And I mean, it's a song that we've played at every show since the record was released. I can't remember a, a time where we didn't play that's th- this song live. It's just, you, we kind of have to play it. Um, I remember a time that I wish we hadn't played it live that I thought uh, I, of I, that I, I, I thought think, of the other day. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I think I know that one. <laughs> oh dude, that was rough one, man. That was, and that so, was one of the first times. Oh yeah. So can, can, I, can I, can I set this one up? <laughs> yeah, dude, that was, so, I was like, Oh no, we ruined the song. Maybe that's why it wasn't a huge hit. So my friend Roger, uh, he has, and, 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 and we will talk about this at the end when I let him uh, plug all his projects, but Roger's been playing in Rehasher, a band he started uh, back in the early 2000s, and Rehasher plays this show, I want to say it was in Jacksonville maybe, um, and the very next morning, we're all out in LA, we flew out there, and uh, the next morning Roger's up at the crack of dawn, like 5 a.m., and he flies out to LA, we're playing K-Rock, which, you know, you've heard me talk about k K-Rock on this show. K-Rock's one of the biggest uh, stations ever in, in, in Southern California and Los Angeles. And we're playing their radio show. Now, when you got invited to play a radio show, that meant the radio station was playing your hit. All kinds of industry people were going to be there. The label people. It's kind of like have your shit together. And we had never played this freaking song as a band at that point. We rehearsed yeah, we it. Had. 
not yeah, live. We kind we kind of knew it. There's a couple factors that was going on there. Like for one, the song is an F. You know, and it's a little bit the scale of it is a little bit higher than the majority of our songs. It's just a little bit harder to sing. It's a little bit has a couple of those extra high notes in there. And then it was like 1130 in the morning or something. They had us playing like a ridiculous early like we got shafted on the time slot. It was like rainy and cold. It was like there was like not that many people even there. And I don't know. I just that might have been the first time that we played it live. And I just remember I just remember being like, man, I did not sing that very well. Like, I just remember being like that. That song is way better than what we just did on that stage. You know what I well, mean? Well, and and and, <laughs> and, and, and and due to my an, an initial uh, point is, you know, you were up late the night before. You were screaming through up, you know, rock, rehashers punk rock. It's just nonstop vocals screaming. You know, and 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 you get on this flight. You come to L.A. straight to the airport to the show. Put on your show shoes. You're on the stage, and everything you said is correct. It, it couldn't we? You know, the weather to the time we got we got the parking lot slot. We got shafted there. We couldn't. It couldn't have got worse. And I remember looking out. Now this was, uh, I want to say it was at Irvine Meadows that we did that. It was just this huge, for lack of a better word, this open air uh, amphitheater. You know, it looked like a stadium. It was humongous, and um, there was, you know, could probably hold thirty, you know, twenty five, thirty thousand people. And when we went on, there might have been two thousand people in the whole place. They're just pockets. And I remember it was empty. Yeah, it was totally empty. Yeah. I remember looking out <laughs> right after the song ended and uh, right in the middle of the crowd sitting down is Jeremy Popoff, the guitar player from lit. He had the big long beard in the, in the rubber band at the time. And I look out and, and they had the, of course, that song, my own worst enemy, which is a lyric here, you know? And I'm like, exactly, hey, man, yeah. hey man, thanks for letting us borrow your lyric. And he just kind of waved. And I'm like, man, we're at the friggin', you know, we're at the talent show and we just got pantsed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, you know, but the rest of the set we, I mean, was fine. It was just that particular, song not being super rehearsed on it it's sort of like it's like slightly up on the difficulty level on singing and stuff so yeah that was that was a thing but um you know i but since then like it's like i'm really like i feel really good about when we play that song it, it's it's uh you know it feels good to get get those melodies out and like uh it's it's uh it's always fun live man yeah yeah i'd like to say that that was probably the last song or last time that i remember and that was in 2003 december of 03 um that was the last time that i was ever nervous about getting up and playing our songs there was you know there was a lot of unjust pressure we put on ourselves all the labels here it's a big k-rock thing this is our chance and in reality uh, you know we had been a band at that point for 11 years (laughs) we already made it in terms of everything we were putting this you know this undue pressure on ourselves it's ridiculous (laughs) yeah but totally um, man but But yeah but like back to like the creation of the song and stuff man i you know yeah it really, I can't express how, like, when we were doing the thing out in Malibu and we were, like, living it, and this was, like, the big record that we actually, like, were spending a bunch of money on. We had, like, Green Day's producer, and we had, like, a personal chef cruising in, and, like, we were, like, <laughs> we were we were living it. Like, that was our, that was the peak as far as, you know, like, the lavishness of the music industry or whatever. And, uh, and yeah, I don't, I don't know, but that's, even amongst all of that, like, it still felt like, uh, you know, a lot of those songs especially science was just like, we were still sort of making a statement, you know, we were still kind of like doing our artistic thing and, and it felt good to do that. You know what I mean? Like, 
Well, you know, and, and we, we were out there for about a month and um, I don't, I, I can't recall a day that it rained out there. I mean, it's Southern California. It was just beautiful weather, 75 degrees during the day, 55 at night. We were, <laughs> we were, a, we were a, a, a quarter mile from the beach. The house was situated directly next to Cher's mansion. Okay. Sonny and Cher, you know, Cher. Uh, <laughs> and, and I remember going down to the beach every day and I, it was just, I remember when we were doing it, that it was a special time. I'm like, I remember saying to myself, Chris, you enjoy this and remember it. And when I hear this track in particular, it's kind of like, you know, I can feel the summer vibe, even though we record it in November, if that makes sense. I can just, I can feel the Southern California, the song just drips with that. And and I just, I, I go right back to when, you know, that moment when we recorded it, that those times. Yeah, man. Like I said, it it captured that stuff pretty well. I mean, some of that stuff that on that record is a little bit more straight up punk rockish kind of thing or whatever. And I think fits other sort of eras of the band. But yeah, this, you know, we've done some reggae since then too, some songs in this world, but, and you know, something about it's, it's that marriage of melody and lyrics and just the vibe captured on the recording and all that. So it's just a, it's a trip. And, and, and getting into keys, I like to, and I I haven't touched too much on this with people. Um, uh, and and it's kind of, well, yeah, I mean, I tried to move it down to a more logical (laughs) key on the guitar. Did did, did you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, you know, it's, it could be done in, in a lower key. Even the half step down, like saves a lot of those top notes in the verses and, but it just just doesn't feel the same. It doesn't have the same impact. Like F, you know, when something, it's just kind of a little bit pierced a little bit more piercing i don't know it just it, it's settled down too much if you yeah you, know, you guys at home that play guitar play play the thing and a half step down play it in e and sing it and you're like oh now it's kind of like too chill like it's it doesn't have the intensity of of where it sits so that was i definitely remember being like oh, i wish this could be down lower so it's not going to be a bitch to sing but yeah and, to- and for our listeners who are musicians that can hear this kind of stuff you'll know exactly what we're talking about it's it's uh but we I don't saw- cheat though you know I, it's pissing me off these bands that are that are starting to cheat and play their songs like down a whole step or whatever live like i the, the day that that happens is when i just need to either start taking vocal lessons or quit smoking weed whatever it's going to be man like <laughs> Well, because... <laughs> no, I was, I, that's a great point. I, I was just going to say that, um, you know, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse to have the ear, uh, that we, that you and I do Raj. And, and, and again, to our listeners that have a great ear for music and hear these things, you know, I've been to, to amphitheater concerts, you know, my favorite bands in the past couple of years, and, and I'll see 20,000 people jumping out of, off the rafters going nuts. And I'm like, and all I can think of, I'm sitting there going, ah, oh, damn, my favorite song's down a whole step. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it gets to like that triumphant line in the chorus, and you're singing it like at half volume because it's not up high where it's supposed to be. It's just yeah, it's a weird yeah, thing. you're flying half mast at that point. You're like, what's going on? Why why doesn't this sound right? And uh, yeah, a lot of you know a lot of those '80s cats, a lot of those guys that ran in the in the '80s of music that I, I grew up and loved, uh, they painted themselves into a corner because they were they were singing notes that only dogs dogs could hear.
Um, yeah. and, and now they're, they're, they're up there in their, uh, in their sixties, uh, trying to hit these notes that it's impossible. Um, so let, let, let's, let's touch on a little bit of what Rob brought to the table. Rob Cavallo, of course, is, uh, uh, his breakout record was Dookie with Green Day. He's went on to do a number of things over the years. Uh, he's, uh, been, you know, president of ANR for a number of companies. Uh, and we got a chance to meet with Rob, uh, about a year, maybe six months before this record, met him in LA and thought he was a chill guy. And just his, just his, uh, track record alone, we wanted to work with him. Um, what do you remember about Rob bringing to the table with this song? Well, you know, he just has like a, like a sort of a quirky energy and he, he's sort of spontaneous in a way. And he's very free, like as a, as a musician, like he just, his palate is like really widespread, man. Like when hanging out with that guy and he would pick up a guitar and he would just be like, okay, like he understands like all the like sixties chord structure stuff. And like, it was just, you know, he just kind of got sort of a charm of, of a track like that, you know, where it's just sort of, it's, it's simple at its root form. And, uh, for sure, like his contributions were, uh, some of the guitar sort of little stuff that's stuck in there that, you know, that uh, like there's like a little little guitar interlude that'll tie these two sections together or like well, the fact that like that like a real hard tremolo on the chorus to kind of give it its own flavor that there's no other song like that on the record and uh, a lot of the little sort of details that you hear on there and i have well, to you, like sh- shout out to the percussion again man like the percussion too like if you mute that track that thing does not feel the same you know did Lewis Conti, is he the one who played on that? Was that Lewis? I believe so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah I think I which, had video of that buried somewhere. Well, I was going to say, and then there's the, um, uh, the pre-chorus. So I sit and wait and wonder, does anyone else feel like me? Someone so tired of their routines and disappearing self esteem. That part, um, you doubled your bass on a baritone guitar, which is really cool. That that like a uh, kind of dun, reggae trick. Dun, 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 that part. Yeah, know? and and that's like that's the guitar part that everyone's like, oh, Chris, you're such a rad guitar player, man. I'm like, wait a minute, I played that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that but that but that part again. It, it it went from this verse and then it just kept building. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalist. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. 
you know, and then there was the layers of the keyboards, of course, the, 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 the percussion and, and something about that track, the, the key that it's in, uh, the fact that there's no distortion guitars. I mean, the, the horns sound amazing on science. They, they yeah, sound absolutely. great. Yeah. They're, they're real. I mean, they're real clear there. And I was going to say too, another thing on there that was a slightly new ground in a way is when it, when it went to that bridge, and the bridge section and then and then you're singing that section we well we did stuff like that all the time not that but but while you're singing there's this like soloy like really like grown up sounding sax solo thing going on in the background And that's not something that we had really done before. We, cause that was, you know, that was the first time that we had JR that could kind of play that way and, and sort of free flow and kind of like come up with like stuff that's suiting like on the spot like that. And like, you can kind of feel that that's not like a super rehearsed section of the song it's a little bit because that sax is just kind of fooling around a little bit you know what i'm saying well yeah and i mean he's a, you know plays a tenor sax and prior to that the the record before our, our, our uh, sax player played the baritone which is a really low grovelly low you know growly type instrument so yeah that's a great point which i wanted to bring up this was jr's first record with us and he brought a lot to the table that that little sax part which i didn't even think of till you brought it up um that's a, a something that we hadn't done which gives this song its own flavor but also, he sang the the high harmonies and the choruses on this song. Yeah, totally. I mean, his his range on the top side. I mean, pe- probably people don't know, and I probably get credit for that. People are like, "Oh, it's Roger singing all that high shit," but you know, probably eight times out of ten, that's Jr. singing all the super high stuff on anything since Anthem. You know? Yeah, and for for a you know <laughs> for a big dude, he hits these notes. I'm looking over, I'm going, "How are you singing that high?" To this uh, day, he just it amazes me, and that that. You know, I don't want to say change the sound, but yeah, it did. It it it, it definitely was a new flavor for us. The the the, the harmonies in that and uh, that chorus is just so, you know, it's well, it, it, it's so catchy. It brought us, it, you know, it brought us one step closer to like that, like Eagles thing that you know we're like, oh, harmonies are the shit. Like singing together is great. We love that. But you and I could only kind of get away with so much. You know, we can only cover so many bases. But like now with the three of us singing, it's like you know more often than not, like we're just be- being able to hit that like beach boys thing or whatever, like that three part harmony. It's awesome. Yeah. And you know, being in a band, I, and I definitely know you feel this way. We've, we've had this conversation. We, you know, I'm always searching for the the next greatest song or the next song that's better than the last. You're always trying to, you know, not for any ego or personal reasons, you just always want to write the next great song. And, um, you know, there was definitely something, I keep using the word. It was there was something in the air. It was something magical with this one, and this one really just the nature of the track itself is unlike anything else on the record. It just really, really sticks out. And um, you know, again, I'll go back to that question. I mean, I just it's so weird. I can remember specifically, like I remember writing "Break Soon" in my house. Like I remember writing that song. I remember you know writing uh, "A Bomb House" and where we were were in the warehouse working on it. But this one just kind of. You know, like I said, came out of nowhere. Yeah, you know, like, okay, so in the history of when we would go make records, like way back from the beginning, like there was always like these sort of periphery songs. Like the one that comes to mind is like Throw the Brick. Throw the Brick, yeah, one more time. Thinking of my bombs that I left behind. Throw the Brick, one more time. Throw 
Like, we know we're going to record it. We're not going to overthink it. It is what it is. Right. And like, yeah, it was like, we've always sort of had these sort of like songs that we're not really overthinking that are just kind of like, you know, maybe, maybe it's sort of half done even, but we're going to record it because it's like, or, or something like when we were doing Anthem and B-sides, like the national Anthem song, like that was written, like in the last possible hours that we could have added a song to the collection. You uh-huh. know what I mean? It's something like that. And I kind of remember that science was sort of like that on the, on the like chart of all the songs. It was like, Oh, and then we'll do that little reggae thing. <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't like a focus song. It wasn't like, Oh, welcome to the new South. You know, we're going to make this whole thing and build it all up. Or even like, uh, you know, some well, of the ghosts of me and you, that's another one. Yeah. Like, another like that song, song was, we like spent tons of time on it, working on the arrangement. How are we going to do it? Like that was a focus song. And when we first started, uh, science was not on that. It, it was not like a quote unquote, a side when we, when it was first part of the deal. Right. Right. And that's, it was, that's why I think we don't have that many memories of it. Cause it was like, like a throw the brick or like a dope, like even dope man was a song where like, we didn't really like over prep for those songs. We just kind of knew what the story was. We knew what to expect and we were just going to do them. Well, that's, that's really why I, one of the reasons I picked this song was there was just like, I, I had questions and I found out like the 700 thing. I never knew that, you know, like I had questions about the origins of this tune because Pretty much. I mean, barring a couple of the B-side tracks, uh, I remember where we were, when we wrote them, who wrote them or wrote the majority of it or came up with the idea. But this one was kind of a mystery. I mean, you even look at stuff like, you know, I know it came late to the table, but like, I remember, I remember all the stuff that like went on with Motown when you brought that song in. I remember going, I remember you saying, we got to do a tempo map with this. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're like, well, ah, the verse has to be slower than the chorus. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, and it, it, it's funny what I remember about each song individually, but this one, it's just, uh, yeah, it was, it, it, it wasn't much of an idea, but then it turned in, it turned into the animal uh, that it is with all the production stuff. It's, it, it's great. Yeah, and, it's crazy. Yeah. It definitely, uh, it definitely, uh, was it, like first conceived, like on a couch, uh, at somebody's house in Long Beach for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, we, we, we've talked a bit about science and there's some other stuff, uh, some things that I've, I've never asked you, you know, as a songwriter that I, I just want to talk about here, uh, on, as we, as we near the end of the episode. So, um, do you remember? I don't think I've ever asked you this. Do you remember the first? No, I don't. No, song I don't you remember. Wrote? You don't. No, I don't remember. <laughs> no, I don't remember. Uh, first songs. And what, I wrote. It, and, and what it was called, and how old you were. Um. Oh man, there's there was like, let's see, there was songs, but see, I was like just more into the music side. I wasn't like trying to hit lyrics and stuff when I was like really little. So really little, I mean like 13, 14. So I used to have like a little Casio keyboard and I would plug it into this bass amp that like my, from my uncle's band. And we would like play that. And like my, like my uncle would play the drums. And like, that was like the first time that I was like, quote unquote jamming, but that was just like making like little songs with just a keyboard and a drum set and just doing that sort of marriage of rhythm and melody, you know? But as far as like actually getting into like, uh, being in a band, because I, I a lot of like, like I did the whole orchestra thing, and I played the viola in high school, and I took piano lessons and all that that kind of stuff in like my early teens or whatever. I didn't get into like being in a band, 
until a little later. I was like 16 when I got an electric guitar and then I had my my high school band. Disposition. From, uh, yeah, you remember. I think I played you the demo tape. Like when um, we I, first could, hung I, out. I could still see the demo tape in my head. Yeah, the black and white demo tape. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So that was my that was my three piece, uh, quote unquote, punk rock band in high school, and uh, it was kind of like a Fugazi ish kind of thing. And that was like the first time that uh, you know I was coming up with like lyrics. But I, again, I was always like the bass player. I was the guitar player. The bass player in that band like was the kind of guy that like titled songs and had ideas for what songs could be called. And like, I always kind of been sort of like doing that with somebody in a weird way, you know, but right. uh, yeah, uh, there's, I, I'm trying to think of, there's one song. I wrote some other songs when I was like around that age with some other cat down there, but man, I don't remember something yeah. about like a, something about something about like hanging on a Saturday night like kind of lyrics i don't remember man <laughs> <laughs> well you know and and i'd i'd like to kind of go off on a, on a little tangent here and just talk about you know i get asked a lot and i, and I know you do too roger in interviews or you'll you, you know, roger produces bands he has young bands and, and they'll say you know you know oh I, shit i just remembered it it goes it went it was i i, can't, I forgot the guy's name but it went 11 <laughs> o'clock i wanted you so bad 11 o'clock's the best i ever had it was something like that like about a chick I want to, I want to record that in the next, next record, the next, the next lot less than Jake lost at home session. Don't forget the lyric. Oh God. No, no, no. That's, that's, that's one time only right there. That's it. Sorry. No, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. It just hit me. I was like, Oh, I remember that song. I must've been 15 when that song was. No, I'm, I I'm, doing. I, I'm glad, I'm glad you, I'm glad you did. Um, but, you know, uh, what I was going to say is, you know, you produce a lot of bands. I know you get asked like, Hey man, you know, like ah, we want to go out and tour and we want to, you know, a lot of bands will use the word, we want to make it, or we want to do this and do that. And, you know, I, I, I love telling the story and people have asked me before how, you know, how'd you get, meet the guys in the band and, 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 or how did you become successful? And I always say that, my gosh, the stars that aligned for this band to happen. I mean, you know, I knew our drummer Vinny since high school. I went to UF, you know, he didn't even know if he was going to transfer up there. He ended up begrudgingly transferring up there with with his girlfriend at the time. He comes up there and, you know, we started the band for the first six months with it. We had a different guy playing with us and it didn't work out. And I had these, these roommates, uh, these two girls that I went to high school with that were at the dorm one night and are at a party somewhere. And I come home and uh, Jill's sitting there. She says, hey, Chris, she goes, so you're looking for someone to be in, a, in your band, right? And I says, well, yeah. You know, she says, I met this guy tonight. and I, He's amazing. And uh, I go, okay, whatever. And uh, it was maybe it was maybe three or four nights later. I walk into the apartment again and I walk in and there's this guy in my living room. And she's like, hey, this is this is Roger. And I'm like, hey, what's up? And, then, and I'm like, oh, you, you jam? And you're like, yeah. I'm like, cool, come come check out my guitar. And, and you walked into my, my bedroom, uh, the apartment, and I had my little uh, combo amp there. And, and you grabbed the guitar and you started playing. And I had my ah shit moment. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, you know, but like, think about it. I mean, you had your choice. You were a smart kid. You could have went anywhere. You know, you didn't have to go to UF. You got accepted to other colleges, and uh, yeah, it, I hear it. it just, is what it is. It's crazy. You're just lucky you had cute roommates. Is all I'm gonna say. <laughs> no, but the re the reason I wanted to bring this up in terms of songwriting is that, and 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 I'm not saying this to 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 kiss your ass or anything like that, but you know, I couldn't. I couldn't have done this. You know, I mean, I, I, I think I write some great songs, but I, I had to find you guys. I had to find you, you know, you were, yeah, you man. were the, I mean, for, for sure. I mean, I, I had seen less than Jake play. You guys I saw you guys play at the cover dish. You know, I remember that. I remember what the band was like before 
I, I hung out with you and stuff. And it was just like, it was a lot like, like a lot of other things, it just didn't, it didn't stick out quite, quite the same, you know, and very, very linear, you know, there wasn't much to it. It was, you know, it was good pop punk, but it was just sort of, there was, it just kind of, I don't know. And then at some point there, we just decided to take things to a different level. We just, I mean, we learned all those early songs and stuff and we did the pop punk thing, but whenever the gears started turning that we could play some ska and we could, you know, that we had that energy to like make that go off whenever that happened, man, that's like when the fire kind of got lit, I think, because then like, I don't know, like musically I could really relate to that stuff. And and I think that's how we ended up writing a song like science is because I wasn't, I mean, I always loved like Bob Marley or whatever, but I'm not going to sit here and like, be like, Oh, I'm super into like every ska band. And I'm like, I'm not like a two tone guy or anything like that, but I, I do love reggae and I love the raw energy of like ska and ska punk and like, you know, the danceability and the, and all that, like the release of it all. But like, you know, I don't really know. What if what if we just kept playing, you know, punk rock? What if we never got a horn section and we were just like a face to face style band back in the day and then we never would have ended up on science, you know? Right. It's kind of and, it's and- I, I don't know if you remember. I remember like I clearly remember the first time that we were like playing ska and we're sitting there with guitars and I'm like and we're like I'm like, yeah, you like upstroke it and you like squeeze it. I, I can like picture you playing a like ska on a guitar for the first time. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, no, and and that's that's I'm I'm so glad you brought such a great point that you brought up of like what if we did get the horn section? What if we decided you no, know, we're just going to stay a three piece? I mean, we wouldn't be talking about this song. It's all those little pieces that 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 eventually get you to get you to where it's at. And um, la- last thing I want to I want to uh, leave the listeners with, I want to ask you. Um, you know, and do you remember, cause I, I know what the, when the moment was for me, but do you remember the the, the moment where you were like, okay, we got something here. This is beyond my five drunk friends that want to hear the band on Saturday night and party. There's, there's something here. And I think, I think we could make this into a legitimate, uh, for lack of a better word, a career. Do you remember, do you remember that moment? Well, you know, it definitely wasn't on the first tour. (laughs) (laughs) I talked about that recently. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I think so. When we started, we were doing pretty good in Gainesville, but I felt like Gainesville was sort of easy pickings at the time. But when when we started hitting Daytona fairly frequently and and the shit was hitting the fan when we would play at that at that lazy was it lazy susan's it was lazy uh close it was um up and adam that became black eyed susan's black eyed yeah that's what i'm thinking of that venue like for whatever reason whatever the hell was happening over there that was like a pretty good indicator that like if we could replicate that in other places that like you know maybe we could like you know get in a van and cruise around but um honestly though uh, I think, I think for me, it's when we find when we really did have Craig on our side, our A and R guy. When he first, when we first were introduced to Capitol Records, and and sort of that whole like 
big business side of music and 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 his sort of like guiding hand in those stages i think that's when i was like wow we're gonna be on the same label as like the beatles and pink floyd and shit you know like i think that was that for me was like when i was like okay like now like quitting school makes sense now you know what i mean yeah. And, 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 you know, as well as I do, it was, it was never about, you know, it's funny because people cried sell out if you signed to a label when none of us were thinking about money, we just wanted to play the next big show. You know, like if we could, if we could sell out uh, the cover dish at the time in Gainesville, which was a 550 seater, you know, like we, that was the dream, you know, and we hit that pretty early on and, and everything else is, has been gravy. Um, so, Hey, I, I want to thank you for taking the time. I, I know you really didn't want to talk to me today, um, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to, that's, I just don't want to talk to you on any days that end in Y, but it's all good. <laughs> um, if any of you have been in a band for any length of time, you can fully get what we're talking about uh, this is a love hate i got going with this this sob okay so <laughs> yeah. i want you i want you to let our listeners know what's going on the with the world of roger lima and uh you got uh one minute and 38 okay. seconds okay <laughs> thanks man yeah uh so i'm doing a lot of since uh all of this uh at home time is going on i'm just working on songs and doing a lot of stuff in my studio at the moat house and uh i just did a record with this band called grab bag it's like a punk rock record and it's it's hilarious it's a really good funny record so i'm gonna be posting that on my facebook's yada yada you can check it out uh yeah just working on some rehasher songs had a couple singles come out this year a couple more working on some songs with my other side band called greenhorn with my friend jen got three songs lined up for that and then of course uh pounded away on the lost at home sessions with my lesson jake dudes and uh yeah that's what i'm doing man i'm hanging out trying to enjoy the alone time flying quadcopters a shit ton and enjoy each day as it comes by that is awesome can you let the listeners know if they'd like to get in touch with you for a production or recording of their band how to do that yeah i mean really the best thing i uh, keep everything sort of separate if, is the facebook.com moathouse.studio the moathouse is my studio and uh, if you want to hit me up on that facebook page that's usually the best spot perfecto well hey man go fly some planes and thank you for uh, taking the time out. i love you man love you man have good luck with the rest of the shows and uh thanks for listening very special thanks to this week's guest, Mr. Roger Lima. Thank you, Roger, for, for doing the episode. Uh, I love you, man. You know that. And and thanks to all of you out there. Thanks to all the listeners who have made this podcast uh, beyond my wildest dreams uh, in terms of success. It's uh, It's been overwhelming, the the response, the support, uh, everyone who's joined the, the, the Facebook group, Chris Makes a Podcast. Thank you, and please keep those requests coming of uh, who you'd like to see as, as a guest on the show. Special thanks to to everyone uh, who has ordered a custom song for me uh, or has gotten together with me for a live one-on-one video consultation, uh, which, uh, yes, I'm doing those now. They're uh, for song collaborations, co-writes, production questions pertaining to the music business and uh, everything in between, uh, as well as the custom songs I mentioned. Uh, if you'd like one written for you or that special someone in your life, a jingle or a voiceover for your business, brand, or podcast, and anything else you can think of when it comes to a one-of-a-kind custom song, hit me up. Uh, to see some of my work, check out my YouTube page at kristamakes.com and email me at kristamakes at gmail.com I can be found on Facebook at kristamakesofficial on Twitter at less than chris and Instagram at less than chris d and please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts Lastly, I'd love to get your feedback and input at Krista Makes a Podcast Facebook group. Uh, yeah, hit me up there and uh, I will I will talk to you. I like talking to you. You guys are you guys are great. 
So yeah, be on the lookout for next week's episode, which will not air on the usual Monday. It'll be on Sunday. It's a special Father's Day uh, episode, and it's a good one. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? <laughs> How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. Hello out there! Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!